Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. I know, she left me roses by the stairs, surprises let me know she cares, say it ain't so, I will not go, turn the lights off, carry me home, na 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 Yeah, we did it. That was actually pretty good, I think. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yes. So this is related to our topic today, which is we will be doing the second portion of talking about mental health worker conditions. Yep. Or conditions of the workplace for mental health workers. And so, yeah, work sucks. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Green Day? No. No. Although, fun fact, Green Day was my first concert. Oh, very cool. I think I've probably disclosed that before. I can't remember. Yeah. No, it's uh, Blink-182. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I should have known that. Damn it. I had a serious Blink-182 phase in high school. They had some some good ones back then. Yeah, they had some bops. Yeah. That's real bangers. That surprises (laughs) no one. Do you remember uh, when we were in school, there were those bracelets that you would wear they were black yeah the black rubber ones yeah black rubber ones and then they also had the neon rubber ones uh-huh. and you were particularly cool if you combined a black and a neon rubber oh one. yes Oof, boy i had those bracelets on yep. i had my earphones on i was listening to blink oh yeah had my vans Oof. i did get to see blink in concert did you really yeah, they were at kind of like a festival thing. And they oh. were like the showcase. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Were they good? Yeah, it I was be- fun. I, believe I mean, that. when you know all the songs, it's always fun to me. I had a mini crush on Travis Barker, which now when I look back on it is real problematic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that gentleman is totally well. I don't know what was going on. I think that like speaks to my mental state at the time because I can look back on that and be like, not a good choice, Sonny. Not a good choice. Right. That's where I was at. Uh, Those boys with their eyeliner. God, (laughs) the the eyeliner got me. It got me. (laughs) The, the, The deep, deep feelings. Deep feelings in fast hands? Question mark. Oh man, because of the drummer thing. Oh yeah, yeah. it was like it was like head to toe covered in tattoos. Well, you know, yeah, you're like oh, okay, yeah, that explains I, it. Sure. I get it. I get yeah. it. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so as you guys might remember, we are still learning about each other here on the podcast. So a lot of times on shit your shrink things, we'll share a story about the other person that the other co-host might not know. Or a general what's good this week. So what's good with you this week, Michaela? My what's good is that I finally got to have my baby shower. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, over a month past baby coming, I finally got to get the things for baby. Okay. Hey. (laughs) That was great. That's exciting. Yeah. It was really nice and well put together. And I was just really moved at some of the gifts that were given. And I was kind of surprised at how many people actually showed since it was kind of, you know, postponed. And yeah, you were loved. I was very loved. And it brought me to tears, literally. Yeah. That's 
That's beautiful. I really appreciate that for you. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. What is your what's good, Sunny? So my what's good is that this last week I visited the great state of Washington for the first time. Oh my gosh, I really want to visit there. Yeah, I had never been to the Pacific Northwest. I did yell, I am Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much 800 times. Like, I I am Isabella Swan. It is happening to me. Are the trees as beautiful as they seem? You know what? Like with the moss and stuff? Let me just tell you, it is exactly as represented in Twilight (sighs) Sun's vampires, but it is- Hey, you never know. They could be real sneaky. Listen, they did not not find me, and clearly I'm a special chosen one, and (laughs) if they existed, I would have known. (laughs) But no, really, it was actually really stunning. It was really misty. It was beautiful. There was these- really clear and blue rivers and lakes and there's a bunch of hiking trails so we were in seattle and then also in mount rainier and uh there i found out on a deep dive that there is a twilight forever festival in actual forks washington i know forks washington was real i didn't know it was you did it oh i I did know it was real and i'd always wanted to like visit but that doesn't surprise me that they're like capitalizing on the yeah the twilight yeah, it's but it is exactly as represented in the movies. I mean, there was Sweet. a point in time where I actually just thought, "Wow, this I think I've actually seen this place before in one of the movies." So, oh, that was that was pretty cool. That and is cool. Yeah, so the Twilight part wasn't actually the good part. And it was <laughs> it was a part. <laughs> uh, but mostly I just really enjoyed the culture out there. I thought the people were really friendly, stupendous. Mm. I fit in really well. People kept asking me for directions there. Oh, they thought you were a local. Yeah. yeah. I think so on my plaid. Nice. <laughs> I was like plaid and had a lot of beanies on. So apparently that makes me, I feel I have on time to time noticed a grunge style upon myself. <laughs> it's not intentional. It is just I am gross. <laughs> and I apparently feel yeah. well. So I was on a run out there uh, by the sound and got asked for directions and for people to take pictures and people basically were insinuating, yeah, you're from here. Like, where should I, they're asking me where I should go get, they should go get a cup of coffee. So <laughs> that was cool. I that apparently is. found where I should belong. I guess. Which is- Are they as dog friendly as reported yes they are exactly as dog friendly as reported which was really neat so people were cool the scenery was beautiful had a lot of good coffee so it would actually be a perfect situation for me to live the only downside is that the darkness is so real i was gonna say it's real dreary it rainy and i became not well in one day i was like um yeah your seasonal effect was like (laughs) knock knock hello I was like, I'm not okay here. I It was weird because it presented a different way than it normally does because these – so when we were kind of out in the forest, these huge, huge trees were surrounding us. Mm-hmm. And so there were these only these slivers of light, even when it was daytime, that would come oh, through the sky. Okay. And yeah, I never thought about that. If it was cloudy, it was just perpetual night. Mm-hmm. I could not – I was having trouble coping, so my my disorder was coming out in strange ways, like being very anxious. I, like, I need to clean our whole cabin for some reason, or I just don't feel totally like I like I need to see the sky. Like I kept having this feeling that I needed to <laughs> exit the trees as quickly as possible and see the sky. So it was a strange – that was strange. Interesting, yeah. But other than that, I would give it a 90%, but the only reason I'm docking the 10% is just because of my specific – your specific need for sun yeah yeah that's it but it was it was really stupendous otherwise and i saw a bobcat 
cool. That, that was pretty cool. Yeah. They're bigger than you expect, aren't they? Yeah. And an elk I saw. Oh, elks. They're also big. And, yeah. Oof. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great. My husband, I think, didn't think I knew what a bobcat track was. He didn't say that. He, <laughs> he did not say that. He did not even imply that. But there was a point in time where I looked down. We were in one of the national parks. I looked down and I said, that's a bobcat track. And he looked at me like, how in the F would you know what a bobcat <laughs> track was? But what I reserved was that my grandmother and I would go out in these hills in her I will generously call this a backyard, but it was rural Northwoods area. Yeah. And track things. And she would show me berries and leaves and different types cool. of tracks and things like that. She yeah, just yeah. knew a lot about that sort of thing. And so she would point out things that were feline versus canine versus, right. you know, maybe a deer or something like that. And so I said, this is a bobcat track. And then the most validating thing that ever happened <laughs> then the in my entire guy. life was like, <laughs> then there was a bobcat. So it was, really, was like, I am Quinn, medicine woman. So <laughs> yeah, so it was a great trip. That's awesome. So what did you end up doing for outside of the podcast experimentation? So my homework was to cry. Okay, good, good. Right, to have a good cry. Yes. I definitely had a few moments where I almost did and, you know, during that time, I kind of started to process the different things that had been going on. And you know how people often numb themselves with like sex, drugs, alcohol, and all those other vices? Mm-hmm. I noticed that I'd kind of been numbing myself by being like overly busy and productive. That's mine. That's mine. I love that one. That's yeah. my favorite drug. Yeah. 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 And so all I can see are all these endless lists and things that be done. And I don't like being a nag or asking for help because, you know, that it just feels like another job to, like, delegate mm-hmm. and manage a whole other thing. So I recognize that, and it's really hard for me to stop it, yet mm-hmm. I know deep in my soul that I need to stop and sit down mm-hmm. and take some time to process. And mm-hmm. I'm really just struggling to do it. So I didn't fully let myself have a cry, but I did have a good processing moment. So cool. I'll take it. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I realized my drug was avoidance through productivity. And that yeah. was actually just a couple of months ago when I quit the other job that I had. Right. And had a complete tailspin. <laughs> I, I like, have to do things. I was like, oh, oh, no. I need somebody to give me an A plus on this thing or else I'm going to lose it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Productivity and some external levels of validation like i got this done i got this done right really it staves off the existential dread that's for sure (laughs) right yeah you just keep you're going and you're going and you're going Mm -hmm. yeah well i love that i'm glad you at least got to that point it's something yeah i mean i i still need to actually give myself the the moments of peace but i'm definitely really struggling to allow it at the moment and i mean i can acknowledge that so that's yeah i'll take what i can get and hopefully in the near future i will Calm the fuck down. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, We could put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. If we ever get famous, that will be on our merch. (laughs) I love it. I love it. How did your homework go? I really, I I think, hopefully I gave, hopefully I'm responding to the right homework that I've set, but I've just kind of been working on the same thing the last couple weeks, which is debugging from toxic work culture. Yeah. And I, or hyperproductivity, basically a really similar thing yeah, that yeah, you yeah. were describing. And it's going well. I'm realizing that I will, I'm very wily and I will transfer it into other different productivity things. 
if I'm not careful, kind of like what you described. Right. So like if I'm not doing really a lot with work or hyperproductivity there, I will figure out a way to do something around the house. Yep. Or I will figure out a way to call somebody and help them with a problem or I'll figure out a way to, I mean, you just yes. name it. I'll do, go for a run or I'll go, which actually that can be self-care, but sometimes yeah. that sort of stuff can be productivity too, mm-hmm. depending on what your yep. goal is. Yep. And so- yeah, I'm just watching all the little ways I like to try to escape mindfulness and I need to come back to the mindfulness. So I am, again, it's, I keep getting about, it's two steps forward, one step back, but I'm making progress. It's just, I'm finding all of the little ways. My brain is very sneaky, likes to get around mindfulness. Right. You start to think that you're being it and then all of a sudden you're on the next thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> Doing it again. So close. So close. But I think that's just probably the ever present battle. I, I don't think that Fair. probably goes away. I think it probably does get better. I don't think I'm particularly good or successful. <laughs> but I think that it's probably going to be something I personally struggle with a little bit all the time. And mm-hmm. I'm, I accept that about myself. And so, yeah, that's been my homework is just and I did. I was successful, you know, on my Washington trip. I didn't do a lot of work. I did a very bare minimum necessity that was required out of me. And that was basically it so i was proud and i didn't go into all these different kind of ways to main maintain productivity i didn't compensate i just nice watched the bobcats and i actually took a bit of a vacation yeah you know i mean the fact that i was able to look down and see tracks of an animal means that i was probably present in the moment yeah which is not something that i always am so right it was good. I dig it. Yeah. High fives. I, I give myself Arr. a C. <laughs> C's uh, make degrees. Might be in the D or like D minus. <laughs> You're like not sure you passed. No, I, I I'm not I passing right passed, now. Passed, but not my much. <laughs> we're we're underachievers over here. That's okay. So as a reminder, folks, I know I haven't said it yet this time, but this is Shit Your Shrink Things. We are a podcast. We're two shrinks. Tell you what we think about mental health facts. And also, we give you hot goss on our lives, which we already did. Right. And then so we- fabulous and interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting. Yes, I find it very interesting. And we also will present a topic to you usually each week with real coping skills at the end of it. And as I had referenced earlier, this is part two of our topic on conditions for mental health workers. Right. What it, what we have to work with when we enter the job force. Yeah. And the reason that we are presenting this again is because, one, I think it really does help validate other mental health professionals who listen to this podcast mm-hmm. because I think there are actually a lot of them, weirdly enough, who are other mental health professionals. And I think it validates the struggles that clients have trying to find somebody who's good or has openings or has training, et cetera, because it kind of gives a peek behind the curtain of what what is kind of going on with us on this other end. The struggle is real on all fronts. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It makes both parties more empathetic towards one another because being a client and being a professional, it's... It's hard on both ends, right. certainly. So last week we had left off talking a little bit about client-related interactions and how while a lot of the client-related inter- interactions are really, really positive, and that's mostly what we do our job for, mm-hmm. I would say about 20% of them do feel really concerning. <laughs> there, there are, and yeah. that would be, I would say, only 20% in certain situations, but I'm just kind of taking an average. If sure. you were to average it across really, really hard jobs, much more easy jobs, I'd say 20% is a good number. And just based on what I've experienced, 
And the concerning things that we can experience as a review are anything from threats, which Mm -hmm. is pretty common. Yeah. Uh, I have been threatened I don't know how many times at this point. I was going to say, you lose count. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think social workers in particular are like, yeah, yeah, you'll kill me and burn my house down. Okay. But we kind of receive threats. We often receive drunk or high voicemails, texts, you name it, on work phones or computers or Mm -hmm. whatever the case might be. We even sometimes have people bringing in weapons. And so that's actually a more common thing than you would think. And so I bring this up to talk a little bit about the conditions we're under in regards to how much we're paid, how much time we're given for the conditions and the lack of safety we may at times be facing. Right. So uh, one of the first things I had here is, let's say you're working in an outpatient clinic or just a standard outpatient clinic or a hospital setting or a community psychological service. I have never worked in one of those with a metal detector. Nope. There has never been a metal detector ever involved ever. Yeah. And I have had at each of those settings, in all of those settings, I've had somebody take out brass knuckles i think in all three of those settings separately i've had somebody take out brass knuckles and lay them on the, the table. the amount of people to own brass knuckles craziness have you had people <laughs> take out brass knuckles and put them on the table not brass knuckles no okay no okay. i'm i've i know some who own them yes but they didn't necessarily like brandish them in front of me right, right. <laughs> i had that one i've had uh folks show me their steel-toed boots like oh, meant yeah. for more than right just work purposes sure. and then like spurs on the back <laughs> of their boots also that they were brandishing in a weird strange way which i was like okay that's okay that's a move i have had folks also lay uh weapons that were much more uh dramatic on the table like guns and knives mm-hmm. both i've had laid on the table actually i had to tell a patient at one point in time I don't remember if I referenced this, that he had to leave his machete in the car. And then I also had to tell him the next week that he had to leave his gun in the car. And then the third week I had to tell him that he needed to leave his brass knuckles in the car. So that's a pretty common thing. I mean, have you seen these as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of these people, they've had their own traumas. They've had, you know, they're carrying these weapons out of their own sense of protection. It's not, not, it's not always that they're trying to threaten us with them or intimidate us with them. It's normally, sometimes it's just them being like, I have this because it makes me feel safer. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes it's the other end. I was going to say, yeah. And either way though, that doesn't make it okay. (laughs) It doesn't feel great. No. And and a lot of times it is threatening. Uh, Yeah. I definitely have walked in before, to a client of mine who had been previously sober, had relapsed on methamphetamines and was brandishing a weapon in the waiting room that I was in. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to walk in. The person was able to come in with the weapon and there's no metal detectors, no nothing. And there was nobody really around in that part of the building. So nobody had called a code orange or a psych assist. Yeah. And it was just me. And I had to kind of de-escalate him myself and bring him to a safe location and wait i think it took the police probably 30 minutes to get to where i was which you know a lot can happen in that time frame (laughs) takes uh 30 seconds to be dead yep so that was just an interesting point and i think we have both had the interaction with 
cane swords. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, audience, you heard that correctly. Swords. Swords. Hidden, <laughs> hidden in a cane. Inside of a cane. Tell yeah. me of your cane sword experience. My client was supposed to come in and do some inpatient treatment for substance abuse mm-hmm. um, and psychiatric needs. And they brought right in their cane sword. Yeah. You know, that. <laughs> right, right. It was it was there because they were more than willing to to stab somebody. Basically, I mean they, right. So it's it's important to know that we are working in places where there are no metal detectors. Right. There's no pat down. There's no right. safety check. There's- well, and when I went into people's homes, they would sometimes have it all on display, like walking in, like <laughs> look at this array of weaponry that I could utilize. Yeah. Have <laughs> you seen my my ammo department? Yeah. Of my house. Right. <laughs> it's like okay, that's weird. Yeah, it's actually really funny that you bring that up because. A lot of psychologists and social workers deal with a whole nother end, which is home visits. Yeah. So this is this is true that those things are not in hospitals or community psych services. And of course, these right. are not available in home visits. No. We're not going to get you. You are so far away from everything in a home visit that. Yeah. I mean, there was a true crime podcast or documentary, I think, called Cold, where the social worker at the end of it literally is going to a house and she is telling them that this house is not safe and the guy in the house is doing some weird things and mm-hmm. acting bizarrely and he ends up burning down the home with himself and his children in it and she's mm-hmm. on the phone calling yep. 911 she's telling them that there's right. a problem she's having all of these conversations that she's probably even had before it's recorded. Right. And this is not uncommon. For example, when I heard that uh, interview, when I heard that information, I was like, yeah, that makes me. Yeah, that's par for the course. Yep. Yep. I can completely see how that happens. That doesn't doesn't even feel unusual to me. No, because it's, I feel like when we, when we cry wolf, it's invalidated because we're always crying wolf, but we're always crying wolf for real reasons. Yeah. 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 And and I think you had referenced last time to the other safety concern being drug-related paraphernalia yep. uh, also, and then sexual assault concerns yeah. as well. Well, and even just sex. I mean, walking mm-hmm. into like a sex den type situation. I mean, mm-hmm. walking into a client's home and there's a sheet and you can hear people having sex behind it. Yep. All righty then. You're like, all right. That's that's th- where we're at. That's the thing that happened. And I had mentioned last time a rodent floating by on a piece <laughs> yeah. of plywood in a flood. Like these are things that just happen. Right. And so- not only are there no metal detectors, there's no safety checks, but even when you are in one of these situations, say you're in a home or you are in the hospital, it doesn't really matter. Sometimes they will give you <laughs> the system that you work for will give you this kind of false sense of security, which I think might be even worse. Well, they'll say, oh, here's something like a panic button. Either it's a portable panic button or it's something that clicks to your office desk underneath oh, or it's like yeah. a set of keys you can hit where it's like F9, F11. Yeah, Tell please. me about your experience with these panic buttons. Oh, I just, I mean, like you said, it'll take them forever to get there. Like yeah. those situations, they don't work the way they're supposed to work now i will repreface though in the prison we did have metal detectors yes we did have yes. safety checks we did have a button that people were there in seconds yes yes like, yes again this i got sprayed different... in the face and I, but i also learned how to take somebody down yes. and i felt legitimately safe despite the people that i was around right right and it it, was, i mean i was along with these people but yeah. i knew Somebody had my back instantly if needed. Yeah, there was there was a situation in place for right. you. There was rules. There was uh, yeah, it was strict enough that right. you felt yeah. And taken with groups, care of. yeah, they wouldn't let us do it by ourselves. We had to do, have two people in each group. Yes, 
I will say that <sighs> I have been running groups or doing clients by myself both after hours, which a lot of times that's required after mm-hmm. hours or weekend times, which is weird in and of itself, but okay. Right. And then what will happen is you, I have pressed the 911 button. I've pressed the panic button both in an actual panic. Uh, there was a client who was who had passed out. I think they were on heroin maybe, and I thought they were possibly dying did not die yeah great news everybody oh my gosh but still you're freaking out yeah and uh i actually just happened to run down and get a naloxone kit and administer it to them which is not something i am supposed to be doing save their ass save my ass everybody's ass was saved everything was good at the end of the day but I mean, that's something that... But it I wasn't pressed. saved because you... Yeah, because no. you got help. It, you had to do it yourself. <laughs> I pressed the panic button and these officers showed up. And this is not their fault. It's how the system is set up. It's not the officers yeah. themselves. And they showed up, I think, after the person... Like, an hour later, the person was already inpatient. Like, had already been admitted and <sighs> gone through oh all the gosh. intake paperwork. And these people show up in my office like, what do you need? Uh, and then I also, then after that, tried it as like a... Test. I I need to test this out and try to make sure that somebody can get here in time if Mm -hmm. like, you know, somebody's trying to choke me out or something. And I actually got yelled at for that. So I tested the system. (laughs) They came up. It had taken them, again, another hour to get up there. I said, hey, I'm testing the system because last time it didn't work and I got scolded. Yeah. Whereas, again, I accidentally tested the system in the prison and they were there in seconds. And they're like, oh, no worries. Yeah. but And, I and they would, would they would find you. Like, if you weren't in their office, they would be communicating, where did you last see? Oh, wow. You know, see, like, it was awesome. a whole system. Yeah. And you, and that was the only place, right? That was it the sounds, only place. Yeah. That you had ever had that even close. Yeah. Wow. And, it, I mean, you don't generally feel like that safe in a prison. I mean, guys, I was there during a riot. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's... But, say something like that's where you felt the safest right like that's deep (laughs) like really hear the words that we're saying that the safest that one of us has ever felt was surrounded by people who were at times violent offenders correct (laughs) yeah who have legitimately killed people including their friends yeah like (laughs) what is going on right now this is crazy so that's just something to kind of keep in mind for the conditions for mental health workers i think that threats to safety are not really taken seriously. And no. the other thing is we – so we had had a a client – I'm going to kind of de-identify this – a client attack, a psychologist in a previous place I had worked. I had had – there was a client that had made a threat to shoot the campus where I worked at one point. At the last job I was at, there was a s- series of threats made to, like, shoot up the general area, let's just say. Mm-hmm. And – None of those threats had ever been communicated to us as staff members. So like a lot of the times admin would receive these threats and not take them seriously. And not document them or get them to the people. Yeah, Yeah. not document them. And then stuff would actually happen. Like stuff would actually happen. I mean, there was a couple years ago, a psychologist and a social worker who got killed this way almost exactly, I think, in a VA Mm. uh, because – these kind of threats were coming in, nothing was communicated, and then, you know, there's no metal detectors or pat-downs or anything. You just do whatever you want, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a real safety issue. I would say not only just the weapon stuff, but you're also in a lot of times like unsanitary conditions. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a home with drugs, there can also be things like black mold, cockroaches, bed bugs, etc. You could just bring bed bugs home in your house. Yeah. And that's thousands I mean, and that was even in my dollars. office, right? Oh, even yeah. the office wasn't safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we actually had a, in my last job, bed bugs came from the ceiling. 
Yep. Because there was a department over our ceiling or over our office yep. that had bed bugs more often. Yeah. And so same. they just fall. Ours was housing and it mm-hmm. literally fell on a like desk in front of me. Like my person next to me, there was one that fell right next to and it okay. Yep. That's a bed bug. That's a bed bug. Yeah. Fun. And you have to kinda like take off all your clothes when but like in the garage before you get to the house, put yep. them in the washer immediately. Yeah, I had a protocol each day I got home. Yeah. <laughs> well and it's crazy because if you don't do that protocol, we already get paid pennies on the dollar for what we are actually doing in terms of the risk we're taking. But then it's like, so now I have to fumigate my house and nobody who's gonna pay for that, right? <laughs> That's gonna be yeah. not the the company that you're working for usually. So these are kind of things that we all have to consider with clients in terms of our working conditions. And the main thesis of that is working conditions for cl- with our clients are globally 80% great, but if that 20% is as bad as we're describing it, it makes the rest of it a bit more spoiled mm-hmm. and there needs to be some kind of system in place to help us create a situation where we feel safe when we don't, to help protect us from environmental threats when there are some, yeah. et cetera. But yeah. That's I mean, just- <laughs> mental health gets messy and yeah. that needs to be acknowledged and we need to be kind of taught some of those things. Yes. I mean, even again, reflecting on those physical takedown skills part of me feels like that should be actually in our grad school yeah, education yeah, like I here are self-defense things here's things you need to know about environmental things to be aware of because even if there is black mold maybe your client doesn't realize that that's why they're having lung conditions yes. like if you can yes. recognize that not only can you say this environment is unsafe for me but it's also but it's unsafe, also for, unsafe my for my client yeah when i think information about stalking oh my gosh cyber security yeah in regards to cyber bullying cyber attacks and threats and again like if these things are hey we can protect ourselves from these things and we can also see when clients are in these sorts Mm -hmm. of situations my takedown training was so ridiculously absurd and awful i mean i Uh, yeah the stuff that i got after prison was stupid i'm um, like what is this this is no this would not do anything no like i know for sure somebody would just punch me in the face yeah (laughs) i'm also small so like i'm gonna get my ass whooped i'm sorry i'm just there there's you gotta use their weight against them yeah you have to to always go into it is the message of real good takedown training is like you feed the bite you press the hair down etc but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and also, too, if you attempt to carry something like pepper spray or your own protection, that's actually not legal. Yeah, in most we places. can get in trouble to do if we do that. Yeah. You're not allowed to protect yourself with pepper spray. Yeah. So you, you might ask, like, well, why wouldn't you just bring your own stuff and protect yourself? You're not allowed to. You're right. Not allowed to. And you if you do, huge trouble. Yep. For that. Yep. Yeah. You could. Yeah, you could lose your job potentially if you yeah. end up spraying a client, or get, or get <laughs> even sued. though they were yeah, even yeah. though they were attacking you, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, yeah. exactly, because you're not supposed to have it on the premise. So, so that's one kind of we'll end up the, end that topic there. But the next topic is so now that we've talked about our clients, what are the administrative conditions like for mental health workers? Because this is pretty much a field day too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for me personally, this is the worst part. It's not the danger. It's right. not the black mold. It's no. not the bed bugs. It is the people who I expect to be doing a good job, the people who I expect to care, the people who I expect to employ some kind of regulations and yeah. respectfulness towards my time and who just simply do not. I right. mean, it, it varies place to place. I would sure. say my last job, I really did like my bosses, but it doesn't necessarily always come down to your bosses. No, because there's normally such a hierarchy within each system that there's so much stupid red tape and they 
again, just the administrative duties that don't really make sense, aren't really productive or helpful for anybody. Like it's not helpful for your client. It's not helpful for you. It's just wasting your time. Yeah. But it's required. Right. And it's daunting and draining. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, some examples of that might include like online trainings that were required for certain hospital systems that make no sense. They are not budgeted into your Your time time. for the day, like how many patients you are supposed to see. We all are given in a, a caseload amount that we are supposed to see. And we have certain administrative tasks that can reduce or increase our caseload expectations. Well, the problem is these trainings that we're required to do don't reduce our expectations at all. They just add them to our lunch, right. for example. So we don't well, end up getting breaks. No, no. Yeah, there, there's different trainings that are given over lunch hour, in fact, yeah. or different meetings that are taken up over your lunch hour. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, so... The email stuff is not. Oh, my Jesus. Right. Like that's not even accounted for either. So you end up like responding to, you know, 800 pointless emails about tech support or stuff that has literally nothing to do with your jobs or these trainings or these meetings or these, you know, structural issues. Or you're also given sometimes these adjunctive duties so like you're asked to serve on a commute committee yeah or you're asked to or to do some coverage for something Mm -hmm. that you were never you're never allotted to there's no time for you to get any allotted time but you Mm -hmm. have to do this coverage which is like a whole nother job yeah (laughs) you know i died on that hill (laughs) 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 yeah your girl over here flips out about shit like that but the problem is you then get labeled a troublemaker right yeah you're not a team player then yeah you get which that's hilarious because i will like set myself on fire and yell i hate teams like the more you try to guilt me the more (laughs) i I, like will draw in power and become super saiyan upon guilt like i love it please i'm always a team player but normally that means you have a team that means that they support back and they reciprocate when you become the only person who's doing it then then it's not a team anymore absolutely absolutely and i feel like with the caseload situation in most the environments that I've been, there actually isn't a cap. They just keep adding and yes. adding and adding. Yes. And you're supposed to be getting people off, but you can't get people off your caseload on their timeline. It's when that client is right. finally feeling getting their, better. yeah, they're feeling better. They're doing their skills. They're feeling comfortable with the, the transition and 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 they leaving. need a weaning process. They right. Can't you just, can't just cut them. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't help anybody. A lot no. of times people need to wean down. So I would say you're really getting at something that's pretty important, which is that the staffing ratios for mental health providers, Ugh. at least in the U.S. right now, and I think that's now true in the U.K., although don't quote me on that, the staffing ratios are horrendous. Yeah. There are 10 providers entering the field to 13 providers leaving the field, which means we are at a negative. We're at a deficit every single year of provider- providers who are retiring. Right. One of the reasons is because conditions are atrocious. Right? Yeah. It is because- They're burnt out. Everybody's burnt out. Mm -hmm. We're not compensated or paid fairly. We're not given enough time off. We are literally treated as the pariah of the healthcare field. And I mean, at the end of the day, then it's like, so people retire or they leave or or they they change careers. Yeah, careers go Mm -hmm. to be a lawyer or they go to be like a daycare provider. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. Or they start their own business. Yeah. Out, right? They're just totally out of the mix. And I think that. In most places I've worked, there's only about it's only about 20 or 30 percent staffed for what the calculations are for that area, that catchment area. So that means they have like if they're supposed to have 10 providers for an area, they might have two. Yeah, right. That sounds about right. That's usually where I tend to 
engage with healthcare. I mean, there's just no, and that's in community psych services. That's in private practices. There's just not there's enough. There's not enough. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many people struggling out there and there's so many people who now want mental health services, which is amazing and great. And I'm glad that we're turning that corner where mm-hmm. it's a little less stigmatized. Yes. But there's not enough of us for that workload. Well, right. It's because we didn't respect the field in the first place. Right. right? And I think there is some gendering to that, which, you know, we can, (laughs) (laughs) you know how I feel about that. But I think if the field isn't respected in the first place, it's not well compensated, it requires a shit ton of education to do the job, then people aren't going into it and they're leaving, et cetera. And you can't retain. That's the other thing. Right. Like there's just the retention is people turn over super fast. I think what this also results in is that we're not really able to focus on the patients in our area of expertise. We're right. expected to be total and complete generalists. And yeah. we don't have treatment planning time. Nope. Which we should all have time to plan for a case. You should have a lot of time. Like mm-hmm. you should have so much ample time to think about your client and mm-hmm. what they need and what skills would be most beneficial and like dig through the research mm-hmm. and dig through your different books and textbooks to find the best thing. But half the time it's there's there's zero time for that. You're not allotted any effing time no, for that. No, no, no. You just it's like back to back patients. You might get like a half an hour for notes a day, which is not sufficient. No. Uh, the other and thing again, we're having lunch. Like we're yeah. The, even then, you're you're like yeah. You're in actually a just in a meeting. <laughs> Why you're supposed to be doing notes yeah. and having lunch? <laughs> yeah. So on top of the meaningless meetings and trainings and the staffing issues, we also have RVU markers. So that's what I referenced earlier. It's how many patients you are supposed to be seeing and like how much you are billing for those patients. And the RVU markers are only going up. The compensation has stayed the same. We're not, I mean, the compensation is really low for the amount of patients you're supposed to be seeing, Mm -hmm. honestly, in order to make a living wage for insurance. But also, you know, if you're in a hospital and you have a salary, the marker, the amount of people you're seeing just keeps going up and your salary never goes up. Yeah. So it's like, Either you're taking insurance and you're not getting compensated fairly and you can at least see more people and get more money that way, but you're not being compensated well Well, or you're being compensated okay and they're just going to keep increasing the amount you're expected to see. And there are certain facilities where you're the person who's having to fight insurance. There's certain places that you work that you're having to call insurance and be on the phone with them for two hours (laughs) to be like, pay me for what I did. (laughs) Yeah, it's the worst of both worlds when you have to both – be salaried and fight with insurance. Yeah. It's like, what is happening right now? Like, this is the absolute worst. So, I mean, that's another thing. I did reference earlier that mental health is not typically respected in a lot of areas. It, yeah. So people do a lot of lip service about how mental health is really important, but say it with money. But like, <laughs> I, I, don't give, I don't give two craps, honestly, at this point about what you say and what you believe about mental health. Say it with time and say it with financial support. Until then, it means nothing. Right. You can say anything. I can say I'm a goblin from outer space. It doesn't make it true. Right. Like it's I would. Yeah. You got to you got to talk it. I mean, walk the walk, not talk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the funding isn't there. Right. Like for increasing the amount of providers in the field for paying us more for giving us more time off. It just simply I haven't seen it. So, I mean, that's another kind of thing to consider. Yeah. We're also often cleaning up errors from other providers. 
which is right. I mean, yeah. other providers within the mental health field, but also we're saying other providers within other this, fields, the other fields and the other systems, like yeah. they drop the ball yeah. or they make a mistake and then yeah. we're brought in to clean up the mess. Yeah. I mean, the big, the most common thing I would say, and like, I, this is not to point any fingers or anything like this, but I think because our medical colleagues are also overburdened and yeah. overtaxed, then what ends up happening is they're like, this person is crying in my office. I do not have to have any time for this because I'm not being paid fairly. And also I'm seeing too many people and then kind of shit rolls downhill. Yeah. So then you end up getting this patient who's incredibly disgruntled with the care they just received and you're trying to untangle a problem that was tangled so far right so many different appointments ago yeah Yeah. (laughs) that you're like escalated yeah like how is this my issue but you'll get consulted to deal with that particular issue and so then the client just mostly is mad at you and you're kind right. of the last stop which is really not a pleasant feeling when you go into the field because you actually care about people and their outcomes and what what they want because you can see how yeah the system is working against this person right. and also me and yeah and also me i'm also uh, tied up with red tape and there's only so much that i can do for your problem yeah and here's what i can do and sometimes that's not enough and Yep, then we're the ones being yelled at. Yeah, yeah. You're like, well, that sucks. Like, it sucks for that person, sucks for me, sucks for everybody yep. here. Do not like. Zero out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then also, as I had mentioned earlier, the pay is nowhere near what it should be for the level of licensure risk, physical risk, and emotional risk. Yeah. I mean, there are, at the minimum, we have master's degrees. At the minimum. Like yeah. that is a that's a lot of education mm-hmm. that somebody goes through to get paid for essentially what you would get paid for any blue collar job on the market. Right. It, like it is really quite alarming, honestly, to have this uh, sophisticated, I would say, of a skill set and something that is like you're literally responsible for people not harming each other <laughs> and or harming themselves yeah. <laughs> or harming you. Yeah. Uh, and you take on risk of, hey, I'm accountable for this person getting hurt or other people getting hurt. And yet you are not paid more than any other person who doesn't have that sort of risk. Right. Well, and again, like you said, the emotional risk, yeah. you know. Yeah, all of us end up having some form of vicarious trauma at some point in this field Absolutely. because you're gonna hear some nasty shit. Yeah, you don't you don't avoid it, and there are things that like you're gonna think about for the rest of your life. And yeah, it will change the way you view people, the world, and others on some level. You can't. What's that quote by Nietzsche? You can't stare into the darkness too long, lest it stare back. Right? Mm, like you're yeah. gonna get some something here is going to touch you and you might as well at least be financially competent <laughs> like there's going to be something that like sticks in your brain right. in a way that you never wanted it to right and like we better be getting paid more than 30k for that like i'm sorry i'm just i really feel like that's not fair yeah so that's another thing to kind of consider i think Two, the other thing that we run into is that hospitals or insurances often dictate our treatment plans. Yeah. So we will say, hey, we have patient A. This, all the research and all of the information available to me suggests that we should do this treatment plan. I should see them for 12 to 18 sessions. 
one hour a week. They should have homework between. Uh, We should maybe do a 15 minute touch base between those hours. And then they should also go to like group treatment, let's say. Sure. That's the treatment plan. But what's actually allowed by our time slots is I can fit them in maybe once every three weeks. Yeah. I might get five zero minutes with them. Like it's going to be cut at that 10 minute marker if I want to get my notes done, which a lot of times I just didn't get my shit done. I would just see them the whole time. Which, yeah. Which then you wasn't great. Time. Yep. Yeah, that sucks. Um, And then. So they're coming in every three weeks and all you can really do is address the fires, right? That have, yep. And then you end up having to bill for or code certain diagnoses or procedures that you do based on what the hospital tells you is their policy that you don't necessarily agree with. You're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think this person just has depression. But the hospital says, well, you really want to code every single diagnosis because then you get more money and if you bring us more money then we'll give you less rvus maybe and it's all an empty promise but it's like this is not ethical like this is during this session this was the only thing we talked about but because in the past they've been diagnosed with these other things you need to code that in there so we can get the bang for our buck right yeah exactly exactly so i think it's important to talk about like here are all the problems what do we do (laughs) <laughs> what do we, what is like, we're not going to solve this necessarily, no. but what are things that would be helpful for us as mental health providers to improve our conditions? I think like you said before, the staffing ratio is a huge issue. So yeah. if we could get more people in entering the field and retained in the field, that would help immensely. And I mean, yeah. part of that does come to salary. Part of that does come to giving, you know, a addressing these conditions and giving education and right. making it seem more desirable yeah. to work within this field and to stay within this field. Yeah, exactly. The jobs need to be more attractive. Increased pay, better benefits. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like, like, give us benefits. What are you doing? They don't want us to go on leave. You tell yeah. a client that you're going to be gone for like a week or two and yeah. they sometimes they freak out and you're like, yeah. I get vacation too, man. Yeah. Like the last time I went on uh, vacation in a, I will just say a hospital system. I had three people in inpatient when I came back. Yeah. Uh, and it's not even because of like stuff that they necessarily did or didn't do. It was because like the support for around those people wasn't there. Right. Right. Like the system supporting them was not available. Right. And so it all fell to me. And the minute that I need a break or yep. out for five seconds, then yeah, I'm the one that deals with the crises. Right. Which, and then it's your fault that they did. No, it's not. Yeah. I didn't have the support I needed. So I could have the self care and break that exactly. I'm supposed to be allotted to. Exactly. It's like it's that thing again, where it's like, I don't blame the clients because I expect some level of sure. craziness in this situation because it's mental health, whatever, it doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, but then there needs to be like, backups to the backups to the backups there, there isn't even like first option let right there isn't this, the first backup yeah. let alone yeah. like multiple like, yeah exactly there's no fail safes so yeah improved leave would be great higher level of respect and recognition would be really cool honestly you know i i think lip service is not my favorite but we have this thing in this country where we'll go on about like nurses are great, teachers are great, this is great, that is great, doctors are great, and those things are great. But then you just kind of are standing yeah. alone in mental health. You're like, what? It's like praise the paramedics and the firefighters yeah. and the police. And it's like- Well, and, and therapists are quacks. They're normally, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's normally that yeah. part. Like we actually get like the 
the yeah. downplay instead yeah. of the up like upbringing yeah it's like yeah. what in the world it's like yes all of these professions are important it they're would, wonderful and they're very essential yeah and then it the, but then it makes you wonder because like those professions will tell you the place where they send the people they don't understand or know what to do with is to us <laughs> like a teacher i don't know what to do with this send with the counselor the police yep. officer i don't know what to do with this call in the psych support like yep. this is not like <laughs> come on guys like we're the like we're the d- banes of this world like darkness i was born <laughs> of this like this it just it feels a little bit like what is going on that people I, I wonder if it's just because mental health is still in the shadows to some degree i'm not sure but it's possible yeah yeah it would also be really cool really so cool to have any training on the job like at all <laughs> like, yeah instead of just being thrown into the fire having legitimate training and again i think having some of that in our graduate school like having some re- they make it so flowery mm-hmm. in grad school they they acknowledge a little bit of rough yeah but not the degree that it's actually going to be yeah i, I mean was maybe like, they just don't want to scare you away but <laughs> right well and i was planning to a little bit talk about grad school in this but we're going to end up being over time so i'll probably reserve it for a separate podcast because i think that graduate training versus real world is honestly very different and then also i think some of us have really upsetting graduate school experiences Mm. that really prime us for something negative and to take abuse in our career field sure i think it kind of like makes you tolerant yeah Yeah. exactly uh for more abuse in the future and so i think that you know that's a that's kind of how it starts uh and it just kind of continues, honestly, for a lot of us. So, and another thing I think that we need to think about is besides just <laughs> some real world training and on the job information, because I, I can tell you I've been trained one single time and that was on my internship. My internship was fabulous, but I've been trained literally once in all of my, like, they do new new employee orientation for a lot of these places. Sure. But it is like. But it's never actually about your job half the no, time. It's yeah. like half of a day of like, this is where the fire extinguisher is. Right. <laughs> Here's what we do in a tornado. Kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> uh yeah so it's not really useful and then i would also say maternity and paternity leave is another thing that we should be giving folks in these career fields because it would help retain and it would help it make it so that we can actually i mean if you're already providing care in the home to someone then providing care outside of the home becomes really difficult yeah and so if we could support people in that journey you might have more retention and higher quality candidates, yeah. honestly. I think in addition, we also need more access to mental health care for us as professionals. There yeah. is no, they don't give us, they're not like, oh, hey, here's a therapist for you. No. Nope. No. Different places have, like, you can get, you know, those five sessions from right employee. Like health or something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. those, I mean, basically they... <sighs> Employee assistance programs. Yeah, employee assistance. That's what I'm yeah. EAP. Yeah. And Most of those therapists, I mean, maybe, maybe I apologize if you're an amazing EAP therapist, but a lot of them no, they don't ain't. have the skills for treating people who have seen serious shit. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the same thing that we're running into, right? That we don't have time and energy and expertise right. in everything, and neither do they. Right. <laughs> so, like, you get five sessions with somebody who, like, really doesn't totally know what's going on and they can't really help you right. in that thing and then also there's like internal work politics that you're not totally sure if you can trust the situation True. or not 
And it's like, what is five sessions going to do? I mean, like. Well, and half the time then it is, okay, well, we're going to refer you on, but that's going to be out of your pocket. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that's not going to work. And so that's another thing. Better insurance reimbursement is a big deal. Our insurance reimbursement, I think we, I think I found something like the average social worker reimbursement is less than, I think, a massage therapist by like. 30 or 40 percent something like that i mean it's like really pretty <laughs> oh god right i the mean the fact like, that i'm laughing oh my jesus i mean like it's like yeah yo like we're responsible like this is not shade on massage therapists hell but no when i love me a I, massage therapist oh yeah no oh me too but <laughs> when i leave their office they're not responsible if i kill myself right right, right. it's a different level of responsibility for yeah. a person entirely and so it's like this is kind of crazy that that's true like we're assuming this much risk and when somebody is a massage therapist yes there are creepazoids etc sure but i'd be willing to bet that there would be less weapon brandishing drugs etc. yeah cockroaches and bed bugs usually overall usually. stress of the job i imagine is a is is a quite a fraction yeah <laughs> not, not saying it's not a hard job no just saying like hey what's going on here with like in amount the amount of like loans we take on through schooling etc versus like what kind of the training is related so it's just like this doesn't make sense so we need to increase reimbursement services uh for our field we need to decrease documentation standards in hospital systems because it's like this they're not relevant clinically so like we'll be asked to put all these things in our note that are not relevant to the actual client or what no. the treatment is. It's well, just one like half some the time standard. they don't end up getting reviewed unless shit hits. Unless they're looking for a way to get like be get mad at you. you. Yeah, they're not reviewing half this stuff. Like yeah. so, you put in all this detailed information to help your client. So then their physician, their you know mm-hmm. everybody on everybody the team knows. knows what's going on, yeah. and nobody effing looks at it because nobody yeah. has time. Yeah, nobody has time. Exactly right. So it's like, and also a lot of times it's just metrics, right? Like yeah. some national board or some state board will place this standard upon the hospital or the community psych service or wherever you're at, and it will be to measure something for a research purpose that is related to finances, like reimbursement, but it won't be related to any kind of like patient outcomes. Right. So it's kind of just ends up being like a pointless exercise that just takes all this extra time that you Mm -hmm. don't need to be spending. So decreasing documentation standards would be really helpful. Lessening our caseloads, which we already talked about. And then freaking, like, give us some safety standards. Yeah. What is going on? Like, respond to our calls if we are in distress. Like, maybe make our panic buttons actually work. work. Yeah. Like, these are basic things. Have this actual system in place to protect people. And honestly, I think any of... I think no in-home person should ever have to go alone. Like the yeah. fact that that is a thing. I mean, even most police don't go to those things alone. No. They so really don't. the fact that all these health care workers are having to do by themselves in-home yeah, without no, any absurd. protection. Yeah. It's absolutely absurd. <sighs> It's, yeah. Yeah. This is, like, at so- the very least, make us double up, man. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So, again, we don't, like, mean to, this is not meant to be complaining or that we don't like our jobs or anything like that. It's just more, what is happening right now? Right. Like, help. Yeah. <laughs> help us. Help us. Here's a little white flag. We need a little assistance. H A L P. Help. So, based on this, what are we going to try for some outside of podcast experimentation? What are you going to do, Sunny? 
I think I'm going to try, even if it's not written, to do kind of like a trauma narrative on my past work experiences. Because I was literally in the shower last week, just kind of washing my hair and like flashing back to all the <laughs> insane things that had happened. And I was like, I should probably do a trauma, like an exposure on that or something, because that was crazy. I mean, I, like... I could go on some pretty excruciating detail, but I'll save, I'll spare the audience the details. But suffice to say, you know, I've lost people. I've seen things that are yeah. tragic and horrid. I mean, and they just kind of pop back at you. Be like, just walking around, do, do, do. Yeah, and- they're like tucked in like the crevices of your mind. And all of a sudden it just comes forefront. You're like, holy shit. You're like, oh yeah, <laughs> I saw that thing. That was bad. So maybe just like do a little mini trauma narrative with myself to just kind of write down, oh yeah, this happened, that happened. This is how I felt about it. Because I'm moving into a kind of a similar career field, but a different position. And so I'm able yeah. to now, I feel like I'm safe enough now to actually be able to do that. Right. Uh, which is probably why it's coming up because a lot of times when people exit traumatic environments, then, that's when they process it. Yeah, yep. exactly. Because they're safe and now their brain's like, um, you didn't just forget this, right. dude. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think I'll do a little bit of that probably. What nice. about you? I would like to say that that would be cool, but I'm going to have to walk back into the belly of the beast you know, soon. So mm-hmm. I don't really want to look the at it in its hairy eyeball at the moment. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Nah, nah, Not nah. yet. <laughs> I think I need to work a little bit more on, like I said last time, kind of processing how to not always be in work mode, Mm -hmm. how to do a little bit more mindfulness and engage that skill more frequently because it's really went on the back burner with everything. Mm -hmm. So kind of increase my rest and relaxation and we'll see how that goes. I love it. (laughs) You got a joke for me this week? Sure. I don't think it's relevant, but we'll go with it. Yeah, I also did not have a related one, so. You should never date a tennis player. Why? Because love means nothing to them. Oh, (laughs) that's cute. (laughs) Okay, I got one. The past, the present, and the future walk into a bar. Needless to say, it got a bit tense. I was going to say something about tense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so that's our show this week folks remember that we do have an instagram we do have a twitter we do have a facebook all under shit your shrink things you can shoot us an email if you're interested in a particular topic we do respond yeah uh, that's shit your shrink things at gmail.com although people usually have been dming us on instagram lately so that's fine too go for that that's f- i don't care that's fine. <laughs> uh whatever whatever way you want to do it uh we do also have a patreon if you support and donate this helps us continue to create episodes yeah so please really feel free it. to become a subscriber And I would say that's it for this week. We are so looking forward to hearing from you next week. Yeah. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.